All right. We can dismiss for kids celebrate now. and Some of them aren't. They're going now. Well, for those of you that have maybe been out on vacation or, or travel or whatever, uh, we have been in a series that we're calling Running with the Giants. And uh, it, it's all based upon Hebrews 12.1 that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with pers- perseverance the race marked out for us. So what he's talking about, the author of Hebrews there, is, is the chapter before that where they talked about Noah and Moses and Abraham and Rebecca and Joseph, people in the Bible that can be a, uh, we can all learn something from as we run this race of life. And so we've been using the analogy that we are running a race, and, and if we were on a track and field, which right now the, the Olympic trials are going on, and pretty soon we're going to have the Olympics, right? And so in that track, it's a, it's a circle, and there's people in the crowd. And so we have been using that analogy of these people, if they could step down out of the crowd and speak to us, what words of wisdom from these clouds of witnesses would they give us about how God worked in their life and what would they say? So today we're on part six, and if you've missed any of the other previous parts of what we've been doing here, uh, you can get that on a podcast. You can go to our website and get it there. If you have iTunes, you can go to iTunes and type in celebrationchurchms.org, and you'll have a list of all the sermons that we've done for quite a while if you want to kind of catch up on any of these sermons. So today we're going to be talking about Moses, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Exodus. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be in chapter 3, and um, I made a joke yesterday because anytime I hear the word Exodus, it reminds me of Bob Marley because I grew up a Bob Marley fan. I don't know if there's any Bob Marley fans in here, but he has a song called Exodus, and it's like, Exodus, movement of your people, right? I know some of you've heard it. Come on now. I can't be the only one. So you like it when I sing in my reggae voice? So yes, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, well, not grew up, but at some point in my life, I became a big Bob Marley fan. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, hmm, why did you become a Bob Marley fan? Uh, Because he is known in his culture and his religion. Hey, I'll just be real. They smoke a lot of weed. Okay, that is not why I became a Bob Marley fan. Okay, just put that out there. Let's just clear the air right now. Uh, I don't want to move to Colorado where it's legal or anything like that. So don't worry about that. Uh, No, the reason that I became a Bob Marley fan is because we're going to talk about this today. God has put a call on each and every one of our lives. Okay. And there was a call on Moses' life, all right? And, it, you know, a lot of times I think we, we let the enemy speak to us and tell us that there is no call from God on our life. But I promise you, there's not three or four of us in here today that there's a call in our life from God. It's every one of us, every one of us. And so I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where my mother, my parent taught me that you don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. And so when I first heard the music of Bob Marley, one of the main themes in his music is unity. In fact, he has a song called One Love, okay? And that song is talking about us coming together as people. And he says, just like it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end, one love. And what he's talking about there is in the beginning, we were one as Adam and Eve were with Christ, with with God the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. And they were one as husband and wife. And we all know the story, and if you don't know the story, it's in Genesis, Then, then they sin, right? Because the enemy coaxed them, or however you want to say it, into sinning, and that changed everything. But guess what? That's why God sent Jesus, because he's, he's already changed everything. 
and he's going to bring us back into that oneness again. That's what's in the book of Revelation. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to bow to him, to the mighty King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So you see, from very early on, God has put part of my calling, I feel like, is unity. And so when... when um, I have always grown up with a with a sense of trying to bring people together. Uh, you know, one of my greatest dreams is to to be alive to see the church come together and for denominations to fall. And, and I believe that it may not happen while I'm on this earth, but I believe it's going to happen because that's what God says in Revelation. And so, I identify with Bob Marley in that way. Because to me, he was all about bringing us together, okay? So that was just a side note. But today, we're going to talk about Moses, and we're going to talk about the call of God that was on Moses' life, and we're going to see how that translates to us and how we can identify with that same thing. And so, if you, by the way, there's notes in the back of everybody's chair. Uh, this is what they look like. And so at the very top, it says... For when your problems overwhelm you, abandon safe and live by faith. Now, I want you to understand something as we get into this, that for every good and true thing that God has created and given us, the enemy has given us a counterfeit. Okay? And so, let me give you an example of that. So, right here... I'm saying abandon safe and live by faith. Now, the world will tell you a, a, a way the world would say that or the enemy would say that is uh, YOLO, right? I was thinking about this, and that's, that's what I felt like the Lord was saying. And so for those of you that don't know what YOLO is, it's not a drink that you get at the store. It stands for you only live once, Right? And, so, and some young kid said it the other day, and I wanted to slap him spiritually, but I didn't. I, re, I restrained myself. I want to be like, that was righteous anger from the Lord, but I didn't. <laughs> but the theory is, or, or the, uh, what they're saying is, by you only live once, Rob liked that part. I put that in just for you. Because Rob likes to ninja kick people, but I just slap people spiritually in the Lord. No. But... That what they're saying is, it's all about me, I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to live it up, whether it be through whatever, until I die. Live fast, die young, right? That's another one. But the Lord is saying, abandon safe and live by faith. So let's look, picking up here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 and 7 and 10. It's in your notes there. Let's see what it says here. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro... I always thought that was like something from Dukes of the Hazard, but it's obviously biblical. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb. Uh, this Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai, which is the mountain of God. Now, the reason it was called the mountain of God is because that's where God met with uh, Moses. Okay, And it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. Now, <clears throat> in this area of the world, it probably wasn't uncommon because it was very dry and desert-like for things like that to happen. But here's, here's what made it different. It said, so Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. So would you agree that that's a little atypical, right? If we brought in a tree today and it was green and we set it on fire but it didn't burn up, that would be probably a little little weird. It might cause you to go see what was going on, and that's exactly what Moses did. So Moses thought, hey, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Now, this is where it starts to get a little weird for me as I'm reading this, right? And, and, and maybe it's just me, but this is the way that I think that it went down. He go, Moses goes over there, he gets to the bush, and it's like, Moses! 
Moses. Now, I don't know how it was. That's just the way that I interpret it, you know? Because I'm just thinking when God speaks out loud like that, it's probably, I mean, you know. Now, at this point, I probably would have ran, but this is what Moses does. He, he says, here I am. I would have said, there I was, because I would have been out, <laughs> right? I'm not the guy in the scary movie that does the dumb stuff, that hangs around. Well, maybe we should go hide in the closet. No, I'm gone. I'm out of there. You are not going to chop me up with a chainsaw, okay? Just so you know. So, we'll, so he says, Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. And the Lord said, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, I want to pause here for a minute because a lot of theologians believe, see, it says uh, above that, we read already, it says there, the angel of the Lord appeared. A lot of theologians believe that this was the presence of Jesus in this bush, okay? And this was kind of the first time that his presence had come to the earth. And the fact that God has um, Moses take off his shoes and says that it's holy ground, the reason it's holy ground, that there's really nothing special about that ground other than what made it special was that the presence of the Lord was on that ground. And that's what made it holy. And so in the act of humility, you know, Moses would take off his sandals, and the Lord told him to do that. And then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And again, I want to pause right here because I, I don't want you to miss this. I, I know for me personally, there's been many times in my life where I've called out to the Lord and I've been weeping and I've been, been gnashing and I've been, you know, just wailing because of some kind of suffering that I, or affliction that I was in. And I want you to know that there's been times in my life even that I thought that he did not hear that. But I want you to understand that right here in his word, he says, I am concerned about their suffering. He is concerned about your suffering. Now, that doesn't mean that when you're suffering, he's going to take it away like that because there may be lessons through that suffering that you're learning by going through that. And so it may actually be for your benefit or there could be benefits through that suffering that you're going to get. So I want you to file that away in your memory because maybe right now you're on the high, you're on the mountain high and you're like, woo! glory but i promise you there's going to be a valley at some point and when you're in that valley and when you're in that uh time of suffering i want you to understand the enemy is going to be slapping you with he doesn't care about you he doesn't hear your prayers you're not good enough for him to hear your prayers maybe, maybe you thought that before and i want you to know right now that he cares about your suffering and he's concerned and here's what he tells Moses. He says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is the calling or part of the calling that God has put on Moses, okay? In other words, this is, this is what he's supposed to do. And you have to understand that at this point in Moses' life, He's kind of tried some of these things, and it didn't work out. And so he's kind of in a place of kind of being down on himself, right? And if you look here at verse 11, and it's not in your notes, I'm sorry, but just listen. It says, but Moses said to God, listen to this, because this is, how many times have I said this, or you said this? He said this, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I'll just be honest with you. There's been times in my life where I know that God has directly spoken to me and given me confirmation of things that I'm supposed to do. And I was just like Moses. I'm like, God, who am I? Who am I to do this? Right? But here's the thing. In the Bible, it says this. The calling of God 
is without repentance. In other words, you can run from it, you can hide from it, you can flee from it, but it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there because God has created each and every one of us in this room for a specific purpose, for His glory, and for His honor. And that's what we're going to see today, and that's exactly what you know, is going on here with Moses. From the very beginning, okay, it's not in our notes, but Moses, we're going to talk about it later, but Moses was, was a special child. Now, I know that as parents, we all think our children are special, right? Until they get to about 13 and they're the devil, okay? But his parents knew, that was a joke, by the way, if my 12-year-old's sitting out there, that was, that was, his parents knew by the Holy Spirit that something was different about Moses. The Holy Spirit told them there was a calling on his life. And at this time, to give you a little bit of, of background or context on what was going on when Moses was a child, Moses was Hebrew. In other words, he was Jewish, and, and they were in the midst of the Egyptians, and the, and the king was Egyptian, and he basically decided, hey, because God was multiplying the, the, the uh, Hebrews at that time greatly, the king was like, hmm, we need to get these people in check because they're, they're kind of growing so rapidly that they might overtake us. And so what he told the uh, Hebrew midwives at the time was for every, every male that is born, you need to kill them. Okay? So in other words, there'd only be women, there'd only be Hebrew women at some point. He was basically trying to create genocide. But the great thing is, is that these midwives did not obey the king. They knew that that was not right, that that was evil, and so they didn't. And so what happened is, is when um, uh, Moses' parents, when Moses was born, his parents hid Moses for about three months until it was kind of like, I can't really hide him anymore. People are going to know he's a boy, so that kind of thing. And so what it, they did is they took him down to the river and, and they let him loose in the river. Well, it just so happens that the Pharaoh's daughter happened to be down there, you know, basically getting ready to bathe in the river, and she found this child. She found Moses, and she decided to take Moses basically home with her as her own son. And so Moses grows up being the, the Pharaoh's daughter's son. Does that make sense? Everybody following me? So... Even though he was Hebrew, now he's been put in this position of, of prominence, right? He's, he's in the king's house, okay? That's how he's grown up. That's going to be important later. So when your problems overwhelm you, what we're saying is you've got to abandon safe and live by faith. And there's three things we're going to talk about here that the enemy tries to use to keep you from doing that. And here's what it says. In your notes, look down. It says, safe will keep you, number one, trapped in the past. Now, I don't know about you guys. Maybe you have lived a super spiritual life, and praise God if you have. But, you know, there's lots of mistakes that I've made in my 39 years of being on this earth. Uh, that, that I would say I'm not proud of and that we're against God. And the enemy will try to use those things in the past. Maybe there's something that you have done that the enemy keeps reminding you about that, that he will say, oh, well, you, you, know, you can't be on the worship team because you did this, this, and this, right? Or you can't be up there on the stage preaching because you did this. Remember when you did that? Or you can't go to church this morning because you did this this week. And so it's almost like having a, just imagine a massive boulder, right? If there's a massive boulder right here, and there's a chain coming out from it, and it was chained to my left ankle, and this is as far as I could get, right? That's, that's that past holding on to you. And so you have to come to a point, maybe if those, there's been things that, maybe there's things that happened to you in the past that have held you back. Maybe you've done things in the past that are holding you back. 
you have to get to a point where you don't let the enemy use that as control to keep you from progressing in the Lord and moving in the faith. And so I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has the ability and the power to break those chains. And I love it when we sing that song, Break Every Chain, because that's, that's what God does. That's what Jesus does. I, I like the, this version of Isaiah 43:18. Uh, it's from the message, and that's not MSG like you get in Chinese food. That's the message Bible. It says, forget what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Man, that right there is like a gold nugget, right? You can't, you can't live in the past, right? You, you can't live in the past. You've got to let it go. And here God's telling you, let it go. Be alert. Be present in the now. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. And, and listen... God is an infinite God, and sometimes, and this is off the subject a little bit, me and Rob were talking about this earlier in the week, God is not contained to have to do the same thing over and over. He's an infinite God, and so sometimes when God does new things, it freaks us out, does it not? And so the discussion that we were having this week is that, you know, some people were a little, I guess, freaked out by what God was doing um, here recently, even at Celebration Church. And listen, if it comes from God, then you shouldn't be scared of it. And you shouldn't be scared of, uh, of, of God pushing you and doing new things in your life. And it's like this burning bush. Do we see anywhere in the Bible where God did the burning bush thing again? No, He didn't. Could He do it? Sure. But I mean, if, if, we, if, if we understand how God works, we understand that He can do anything. Nothing's impossible for Him. And so we have to be willing to say, you know what, I don't understand this, but I know this is a God thing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is, is there. He's telling me. He's confirming it through His Word and through confirmation of other people. And so I say that to, to encourage you to not be scared. I, I've talked to so many people through the years that they were scared of more of God. I'm like, why would you be scared of more? It's God. He's not going to do something to, to hurt you. He loves you. The second thing that happens to us that the enemy uses, maybe, maybe we've had things happen in the past and we've done things in the past and we've moved on, but now what happens is, is that we get satisfied with today. And I can tell you, I mean, think about Moses, let's think about it for a second, growing up in Pharaoh's household. I'm pretty sure if he said, hey, I want a drink of water, somebody went and got him a drink of water. Or he said, man, I need a toothpick. Boom, somebody brought him a toothpick. And listen, let's just be honest, I think a lot of us, if we were, grew up in that atmosphere, we'd probably get pretty used to it, wouldn't we? And, and we probably would, would like it. And so you can't get satisfied with what's going on today. There's a lot of things that I feel like... There's two things here that I want to say. Let me, let me just back up. Number one, like Rob mentioned earlier about what's happening right now in our, in our world and state and country... Even, even with abortion, for example, I believe that there should always be in us as believers a holy discontentment. Now, I don't mean that we should be discontent with the Lord because the Bible tells us that we should be content in, in all situations that we come through in the Lord, but we should be, have a holy discontent with the immorality with things like taking the Bible out of school, with uh, abortion, so on and so forth. And so these things, I believe that's what the Bible talks about when it says we should have a righteous anger, right? I believe those are things that, that we should look at and have discontentment with is, is those things that are, that are evil, basically, in the world. 
But also the other side of that for me is I think a lot of times we become very satisfied, if you will, as believers to just come in to church on Sundays or Wednesdays and that be the only encounter that we have with God all week. Now, I'm not telling you that to try to heap some kind of conviction or condemnation on you, but it's a, it's a real thing. And, and Rob said it a hundred times, and, I, and I've said it many times. Sundays can't be the only day that we meet with the Lord. Okay, How are we ever going to grow in the Lord if we only meet with Him for an hour, or when Rob preaches, two hours, right? <laughs> if, if we only meet with Him for an hour or two hours, depending on who's preaching, once a week. I mean, think about that. Think if when you were dating, if you're married and you were dating your spouse, if you only talk with them one hour a week, I don't know if that relationship would have ever progressed. I don't think it would. And you know how it is in the beginning. It's like every, you know, you don't talk to them for five minutes. It's like, oh, my gosh, I missed you so much. I miss your face, right? We used to have friends that would put that on Facebook, and I was like, I was like, please, for, for the sake of, of everything good, do not put I miss your face on Facebook again. <laughs> so that's a, that's a word to all you young people. I know it's crazy, you know, you love each other, and blah, but yeah. I promise you'll be okay if you don't talk to him for an hour. But listen, we have become satisfied as believers to just come to church. And, and I'm going to share something with you from my personal life. It, it's probably been over 10 years ago. I was sitting in church, and at that time, we were going to a big denominational church here in town. And I'll be honest with you, I was thinking about where I wanted to go eat food in the middle of the sermon. Now, I know none of you are doing that right now. And if you are, there's one. There's one that admitted it. Okay, good. There's one honest person. But my point is, I'm not trying to say that's condemnation for doing that, but my point was my, my mind and my heart was not there. I had become religious. I was living a life of religiosity, okay? And that relationship with the Lord that I used to have that was like this was kind of more like this. Are you following me? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it wasn't like Moses at the burning bush, but it was pretty strong and powerful. And he just, he asked me, he said, Matt, do you really believe that this is all there is? And I began to weep. The people beside me probably thought I was crazy. I don't know. I don't even, I, don't, I mean, I don't even care. But I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit because I realized at that moment that I'd become religious and that church had become to me almost just something that good people do, like a religious country club. And from, from that moment on, you have to understand, and, and, and there's people here that know me for a long time, and Tammy can tell you, man, at that point in my life, when I'd be in Sunday school, I don't care if there was four people in there. If you asked me to pray, I would have freaked out. I would have wanted to go hide under something and be like, no. And, and the more I think about it, the more I think, why was I so scared? I think it was because... I realized subconsciously that my relationship with the Lord was very shallow, okay? And I think that's why I was so fearful to even say a simple prayer in Sunday school. And if you, are, if you become satisfied with where you are in the Lord, then you're never going to grow, you're never going to progress, and that calling that He's put on your life, it's going to be delayed, and so, thankfully, the Lord woke me up out of my stupor, and He began to do mighty works in my life. He began to push me, and He began to stretch me, and it's been awesome. It's been a wild, crazy ride, but, but a good one. And so I encourage you, don't let the enemy let you become satisfied with where you are in your life. And the same can be applied to anything. It's like, you know, we, we do that in our marriage. We get satisfied with where we are in our marriage. And it's like, 
Do you want to have an okay marriage or do you want to have a great marriage? And it's the same thing as parents. It's like, do we want to be okay parents or do we want to be great parents? And, and we can become satisfied with good and you can net, and you got to be able to go from good to great. And that's not like a Joel Olstein thing. I'm just saying when it comes to spirituality with the Lord and intimacy, if you're not if you're in that place where you've just kind of plateaued, then I'm, I'm begging you to ask the Lord for more. Ask the Lord for more. And the only way to do that is through His Word and through prayer and meditation in His Word and worship. And listen, there's no better time than right now. Look at what's going on around us. Is there a good time not to be in the Word? Is there a good time not to pray? The enemy is coming against us 24-7. Every day, all day, when you're asleep, the enemy's coming against you. When you wake up, the enemy's coming against you. And we have been told and instructed to put on the armor of the Lord. And that's through His Word. That's through meeting with Him. Every day. And listen, I'm not up here saying that, I, that I'm the best at that because I'm not. I don't want you to think that. But if we don't remind you and we don't remind each other of these things, then that's what happens as we slip into this world of being satisfied with where we're at. Does that make sense? The third thing that the enemy uses is he makes you afraid of tomorrow. So maybe you've dealt with the past. Maybe you're not satisfied with where you are, but you're afraid of tomorrow. What's going to happen in the future? And Jesus tells us what? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself, right? Exodus 4.13, Moses said, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. What is he doing there? He's trying to run from that calling, right? Because the enemies beat him up. And told him he wasn't good enough because what, what, you, what we haven't read yet is that uh, Moses had killed a man. What had happened is, is he saw a fellow Hebrew being mistreated by one of, of the Egyptians and he went over and beat that dude up and killed him. And because of that, because he murdered him, he felt like he was not good enough, and he was a bad speaker, right? He was not a good speaker, that God could use him. Now, he says, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. What does that remind you of? What did Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did he say? He said, Father, if this cup could be taken from me, then do it. But if not, your will be done. And I personally feel like Jesus said that prayer for us. He said that so we would understand that he was human and that he didn't want to go through this suffering, but for our benefit, he said it so we could relate to, man, there's some times when I'm, I'm just, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I'm the right one. But see, God said to Moses, he said, I am with you. If we go back to verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? This, this is what, G, what God said. He said, verse 12, God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. In other words, he didn't say, he didn't, I mean, I love the way that God is. He didn't tell Moses all the reasons why he could do it. He said, basically, you can do it because I'm in you and I'm with you and I'm going to give you everything that you need to do it. And so we need to take that and we need to, we need to file that away in our minds and our hearts too because I promise you there's going to be times when you're going to be asked to do something by the Lord and you're going to say, who am I? Who am I to do this, Lord? 
And you're probably going to get to a point where you say, Lord, can somebody else do it? And, I, and I, listen, there's been many a times in the beginning and, and even, even today with celebration that there's been times where me or Rob or BJ, we said, man, can somebody else do it? Right? Who are we? And the Lord says, I am with you. And I will give you the strength. I will give you the endurance. And so don't let the enemy get in your ear and tell you that you can't. Because if it's from the Lord, and if the Lord's put a calling on you to do it, He's going to supply you with everything you need to get it done. And so we've talked about abandon safe and live by faith. And so to live by faith... You have to recognize that God is already at work in you. He's already at work in you. You have to understand that God was already at work in you before you were ever created and ever born. Before time even existed, He knew what He was going to use you for in your lifetime on this earth. And so look at your, the word here in Hebrews eleven twenty three. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay? They weren't afraid of the king's decree. Why were they not afraid? Because they knew they were more fearful of what God would do if they didn't than what the king would do. And it's the same thing with Moses later on that we're going to get to in the next point. So point number two is to live by faith, you have to refuse to be defined by anything but God. So what does that mean? Well, maybe you grew up in a home where, you know, your parents were addicts or, or, or addicted to alcohol. and People told you you're never going to amount to anything because you're going to grow up to be an alcoholic just like your parents. Or you're never going to grow up to be anything because your family doesn't have any money. Or whatever it was. The world is going to try to put labels on every one of us. But every label the world tries to put on you is a lie. Because God has a name for you and He's put it, written it on your heart if you're a child of God. If you've given your life to Christ, He's got a plan and He's got a purpose. And so you should never accept a label that the world has put on you. Look, look in verse uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know what that sounds like to me? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time? To me, that's, that's like the definition of YOLO. Right? That's the definition of YOLO. Because you can do all those things for yourself and you think it makes you happy, but I promise you, if you watch any of these shows where they follow people on TV that live that kind of a lifestyle, these people are miserable. Okay? I was just watching one the other day and it was a show on... Uh, these young teenagers in, in uh, England, and, and they were basically getting these experimental drugs legally, and they're all just getting, you know, blasted out of their mind. And I thought uh, it brought me back to this point, you know, and there's consequences to that. They don't see it right now, but, but there is. And it brought me back to this point of pleasures of sin for a short time. And that's how it always is, right? Whenever we sin like that for ourselves, we always end up, how do we feel? Does it make us feel better later? No. We're always disappointed, right? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And so I believe that that is what 
the phrase abandon safe and live by faith is all about is that we're looking not on the temporal of what's happening now, but we're looking forward to what's going to happen for all eternity. And so when we, when we take our eyes off of this, when we take our eyes and focus off of Christ, that's when things start to get crazy and misplaced. But if we persevere and we continue to look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we don't accept what the world says about us, then we can truly live out the call that God has put on our lives. And so the last point is this. To live by faith impacts others around you. And by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The point of this last thing is that you never, we cannot see past, or we cannot see into the future like God. God has seen everything because He's outside of time. And so what that means is that when we submit to the Lord and we agree with and, and move into the call that He's putting on our life, then we, don't, we can't even see how that is going to affect generations to come. And because Moses was obedient to what the call that God had put on his life, then we're here today. I mean, that's part of why we're here is because Moses was obedient. Abraham was obedient. Paul was obedient. So on and so forth. And listen, you never know what you say, think, or do today, how that can affect literally millions of people tomorrow. So if you live trapped in the past, if you stay stuck in the present, or if you're afraid of tomorrow, you can't walk out that call that God's put on your life. And listen, if we only affect one person here at Celebration Church for eternity, it's worth it. And every one of us, on average, knows 150 people. That's what the research shows. And most of us know more than that. And so like Rob said at the very beginning of the service, when we're salt and light and filled with grace, one of those 150 people that we know on average, that may be the one that based upon us being obedient to Christ, gives their life to Christ, which affects multiple generations after that. I know sometimes that we look back on, on, on these people in the Bible and we think, man, you know, they were awesome, they were great, but they were just ordinary jacked up people like we are. And that's what I love about God is that he took sometimes the worst of the worst, like Paul, who persecuted the Christians and killed Christians, and, and he wrote, like, most of the New Testament, right, after he was converted. What did the world tell David? And they said, how can one man, as small as you, kill a giant that armies hadn't been able to kill? And the truth is, on his own, David couldn't have. But what was the difference? The difference was, is the Lord was on him. The Lord was with David. That's the difference. Same thing last week or the week before when we talked about Joseph. When Joseph was sold into slavery, if the Lord was not with him, do you think he would have ever rose to prominence? No way. I don't. It's no coincidence that the, you guys that are here today are here today. It's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that 
those listening to this podcast are listening to it. This is the time and place where you are supposed to be so you could hear what God had for you today, so you could take that and use it in your life to walk out the purpose and the plan and the destiny that He's placed on your life. Every one of you has a call on your life. Every one of you are here to bring glory to Christ, to make a difference for the kingdom. There's no special prophets or apostles or anything like that. We're all ministers of the gospel. Every one of us. So don't walk out today thinking that you're not good enough or that you don't have a call to do anything for the Lord because that's a lie from the enemy. And I just declare that that's broken in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit today, right now. I just ask that you would bow your head and close your eyes and we're gonna, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to close shop. Father God, I just thank you that you have given us people in the Bible and your word that we can see and learn from their lives, that we can see and learn from Jesus, our ultimate leader and Savior. Father, I thank you that you have been so kind and, and gracious and that your kindness leads us to repentance. Father, I pray for those today listening to this podcast. I pray for those in the room today that have let things that have either happened to them in the past or things that they have done in the past hinder them from your plan and your purpose for their life. So, Father, for those people listening, for those people in the room today that have been struggling with that, I ask, Father, by the blood of Christ and by your Holy Spirit that you would break those chains and that you would let them let go of the past that so they can no longer be hindered by what happened or what they did in the past. And that they can move forward with you, Lord, for your glory. God, I pray for all of those in the audience today and, and listening that have become complacent, Father. That have become satisfied with just getting a word once a week. or Father, not truly having intimacy with you. And Lord, I don't say that judgmentally. Father, I just ask that you would put a burning desire in their belly, Father. That you'd put a burning desire in their hearts to know you more. To ask for more and to submit to you, Father. God, I pray for those of us that are fearful, truly fearful of what could happen tomorrow. And Lord, I just pray that you would completely crush that mindset right now in Jesus' name. That you would fill them with the hope of glory. That you would fill them with encouragement. And that you would fill them with your courageous and supernatural love today, Father. Lord, I believe that there's people among us today that don't know you, that have never given their life to you. And so, Father, I pray for them today as well, that they would stop delaying, that they would quit putting off their decision to follow you, Jesus, that you would move on their hearts right now, Father, that they would say, I'm tired of being my own sovereign that I want the sovereign king of the universe to be my king and my Lord and my Savior. And that I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And I want the blood of Christ in my life. 
because I understand that he died for me so that I could be made righteous before you, Father. Would you just move on their hearts right now? And finally, Lord, I'd be amiss to not pray for this today. Lord, I pray for our city. I pray for our city leaders. I pray for our police officers in this city and across the nation. Father, there's so much power in unity. And you have commanded us first to love you first and foremost with all our heart and all our mind. But the second thing that you commanded us to do is to love our neighbor as ourself. So, Father, would you remind us of that as we, as we leave this building even today, Father, as we go about our life and our work and our job this, this week and in weeks to come, would you just, just harp that into our hearts? Would you just pound that into our hearts, Father, that we are to love our neighbor as ourself after we love you with all our hearts and with all our minds? Would you help us, Father, as a, as a body of believers to become unified in the faith? And like Rob said earlier, that we would put Christ first. That before the color of our skin, before our ethnicity, before our ancestry, Father, comes you. Would you give us Christ's confidence, Father? Would you give us boldness and courage to step out when we see wrongdoing, but do it in a righteous way, in a grace-filled way, Father? Fill our hearts with your love, with your supernatural love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.